This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 160. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Happy 2020 to you. Thanks for tuning in. One question I hear a lot, or one sentiment, is that how can we keep sane in a world that is as crazy? And of course, the world has always been crazy, always will be crazy. But, you know, there seems to be something like a general mood where People are just like, man, you know, 2020 was like two days old and it was already kind of feeling horrible. And I wanted to address that in a way that we, you know, might not usually talk about it. And the reason is that I feel that I've done, you know, over 100 episodes on positive psychology. Um, the, the vast majority of those really give you a good scientifically backed ideas about what to do um, to feel better, to grow as a person, and to hopefully contribute to your community. But one thing we didn't talk about enough um, is, well, how do we address the world at large? I think one thing that is definitely true is that my focus has been very individualistic. Um, That is, for one reason, is it's my personal history and and what I went through and and how I got over it and that obviously influences how I feel about these things but another aspect of that is definitely also that there's just so much more research about things like self-compassion or um, positive emotions than there is about positive communities or what we need to have strong societies. Um, Now, I haven't completely neglected it. Um, I did an episode on democracy, for example, not that long ago. But today I want to talk about this idea of bettering the world. And I'm not, I don't, I'm still a bit undecided about the title of all of this because what one to a certain degree, it's about activism, but then again, I think activists, uh, we shouldn't dilute that word because there are people who are activists and they pour significant resources into doing that. So I think if we um, just engage with it lightly, I'm not sure we should all be called the same word. So anyway, however way you want to think about it, this is about how can we keep sane in a world that is crazy, but not just keep sane by shutting us off from it or learning to ignore it better, but actually to make it better. So today I want to introduce a simple idea, and that is just like we do our daily tasks to maintain our personal hygiene. Um, I think a society also, a healthy society also needs us to do things basically like flossing and working out. Um, And that means that all of us have to chip into a certain degree, and that can mean different things. It can mean maybe signing online petitions to protest something that's unacceptable, um, or, you know, our ancestors and older generations, they fought for all kinds of things that we might take for granted, such as a two-day weekend or elevator regulations that ensure that we don't just plummet to our deaths. Um, two, 
to many of us, it's a cliche to say that progress isn't free and that we have to work for it. However, as we can see now, um, even the status quo isn't free. I, I never thought that we'd have to explain to people again why Nazis are bad. Um, I, I really, truly hoped and thought that, that you know, two world wars and more has kind of clarified that issue, but apparently it hasn't. And I'm not sure when and when I saw this, but the following idea got stuck in my brain a while back. What if all your words were erased? What if all people could see to understand who you are and what you value only your actions, but not your words. And I sadly don't remember where I got this from. I don't want to claim credit. Um, I just don't remember where I got it from. And this quote, together with the overall feeling that I was not pulling my weight, contributed to me rethinking how I show up in this world. And most of this was going down last year. So if you had any of these thoughts, or if you are someone who struggles with finding meaning in life, I suggest you pay attention. So before I get into the nitty gritty, I would just like to tell you a little bit about myself, because I think that when it comes to things that ideas like these, which are inherently political to a certain extent, people always want to know where you're coming from. And I respect that. I also want to know, um, you know, what a person believes before um, they tell me how to approach, how to better a society, right? So basically... Like many teenagers, I was very idealistic when I was younger, and among the many things I cared about was the transition to clean energy, and I actively campaigned for that back in 2003. Uh, we had a federal vote about it in Switzerland, and we lost. Supposedly, I was broadcast across the nation as the, the face of the sad loser camp. Um, I never saw that clip myself, but it was on national news everywhere, and a bunch of people definitely did see it. Losing that really kind of depressed me. Now, of course, there were other reasons why I was depressed at that time. It was not just politics, but... Overall, reading the paper, the whole paper in detail, being really aware of all the fucked up shit, but having the sense that even that when I gave my all, nothing would really change, um, got me to a really dark place. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to right now, right? So other factors played a role too. I had struggled from depression as a young teenager already. Things at home weren't easy. And I knew nothing about things such as self-compassion. So I wasn't even capable of being there for myself. Once it all came crashing down, I realized that I had to make some changes. And if you want to know more about that, um, I recommend you check out episode 79. One of the things that I implemented to get better, to get out of that dark place, was that I decided to self myself, save myself from doing things like reading the paper daily and also being too politically engaged. I think that's still true, um, that you have to be kind of reasonably okay, but not perfect and not great to get into things like politics. But, you know... I'm, I'm open for that. So anyway, fast forward, I studied psychology, I, I learned many useful tools and coping strategies and was quite fulfilled keeping my distance from the world's bigger problems. And I can't say exactly when it started that sense of disquiet, the sense that maybe it was time to take my gaze off myself 
and individual people in front of me and look at society as a whole. And I had those feelings for a long time. I did not act on them because a part of me was terrified that if I would kind of turn my turn my attention back to politics, that that would kind of throw me straight back into depression. However, last summer, I realized that that was a bit of a cop-out, that I had so many more experiences and tools than 20-year-old me, and there was really no reason not to take at least some small steps. And I let all these thoughts and feelings percolate, and right around my birthday last summer, it hit me. So I wanted to give myself the gift of reintegrating that 16-year-old or 20-year-old me um, into the person that I am today. So I came up with the idea of the 36 Project. So what is the 36 Project? Well, um, the 36 Project consists of 36 actions and or habits, which all have a positive uh, impact on the world. I consciously put in tasks that were easy and that you could do fast and required little effort, and then mix it up with things that would take more time to do. Um, Some tasks are pleasurable, while others are a bit boring, but they still make a difference, or maybe they're hard, but they make a difference. Like so many other things, um, sustainable positive change comes from habits. Instead of grand gestures, I wanted to do something that was manageable, but would still make a difference. And we do certain things daily because personal hygiene is important, right? And that prevents diseases. But what about the hygiene of our society, of our democracies? Certain actions and habits ensure that societies can function properly. And they may or may not be pleasurable, but they're necessary. You know, um, hopefully you don't skip brushing your teeth just because it's a little bit boring. So why the 36 Project? Well, I had always had the desire to ensure that what I learned about how to live a good life would be shared with others. However, my focus had been pretty individualistic, as I mentioned in the intro, and researchers such as Neil Finn, for example, contributed to me asking myself the question, what would a positive psychology look like for entire societies? And that's why I started to think about things like democracy, race, or gender equality. And another and perhaps more urgent reason was seeing that governments around the world were stepping up their actions um, that violate basic human rights and severely threaten the environment. And this had been going on for quite a while, but the last three years really made it abundantly clear. Um, so, yeah. How? How did I um, do the 36 project? Well, I started a project in my to-do app. Um, I use Asana, if anybody cares. <laughs> I'm not really... Re- they're not affiliated or anything. I, I just know that sometimes people want to know these things. Um, some items are easy, such as getting metal straws or making an effort to carry around a reusable bottle more regularly. And I committed to voting more regularly than I already did and to start offsetting my carbon emissions when flying. Ideally, I wouldn't fly at all, but at this time, I'm not ready to stop seeing my family abroad and traveling occasionally although I'm happy to say that I have cut down a bit in the last 18 months. I am, however, willing to fund projects that counterbalance some of my actions and to travel less. If you choose to start a project like this, 36 Project, um, it's an important thing to be imperfect but still do stuff, as opposed to policing others or having such high standards that you never start at all. 
Now, what locations are, uh, am I targeting with my 36 project? Well, I am someone who has, fairly, has a fairly international outlook, um, but I was mindful of having actions in my list where the effect is both local and international. What about the scale? So there's so much on, on when it comes to environmentalism or social justice that it's hard not to get bogged down a bit. I allow myself to feel a bit sad and deflated some days when something new and enormous happens, like once I truly understood the scale of the Australian bushfires or that another horrible war might start between the USA and Iran. However, it is important that I find a good balance where I inform myself enough about current issues to make good decisions about what to do and where to apply myself, but not so much that I risk my mental health. And this is a very privileged way to look at things. Black people, for example, they can't get a day off racism. Iraqi people can't just say, well, we've been bombed for five decades, we're over it. Soldiers can't just go home when they're tired. And I can. It's not necessarily fair. But I am grateful for it. Um, I wish all people had the privilege that I had. But it also means that I feel a certain obligation to protest or donate when others might not have the resources to do so. However, having said that, self-care means that hopefully I can put habits into place so I can be effective for decades and not just go hard and then you know fly straight back into depression or have some other problem. Now, when it comes to these issues, there are a lot of barriers to taking action. So let's talk about them. Um, here are a few barriers to taking action that we need to address. The first is no time. So adding things to your to-do list might not sound very appealing. As with everything in life, the question is what effect does it have? And I would argue that some of the things on here are maybe small, but they give us a regular sense of accomplishment. Even five minutes of encouraging someone on the internet or reporting abusive trolls can give you a sense that you made the internet a slightly better place while still leaving you with enough time to watch your favorite Netflix show. Other actions might reinforce an identity we might want to grow into. So personally, I couldn't give a shit about society's definition of a good girl or a good woman, but I take my own standards in that in those in that regard very seriously. Um, doing these things might give you an emotional payoff or an uplift that might actually help you tackle all the other things you have to do. Also, if we're honest, we waste time scrolling through our feeds or watching Netflix or whatever. And if we harness some of those urges just for a few minutes a day, um, nothing wild, we can already make a difference. Signing an online petition, for example, takes less than a minute. And I have been pleasantly surprised with how often something actually comes out of online petitions. I didn't I truly did not see that coming. No money. That's another big hurdle. So many things that are suggested in the media to save the environment are often quite costly. For example, buying organic food or vegan options is simply not yet feasible for a large number of people. Those of us who are lucky enough to have a bit of money left over after paying bills have different responsibilities um, than those who don't, in my opinion. And you don't have to agree with this. You judge whether you have money for causes or not. What I will say is that there is science that shows that basically no matter what you earn, everybody just believes that they earn just too little 
to do this and it should be passed on to the ones who earn a little bit more than them. And this is true whether it's, you know, people who earn very little or billionaires. So yeah. Furthermore, there's research um, that shows that how people spend their money makes a difference to their own well-being. So for example, if you support a Kickstarter to help the folks in Flint get good water filters or make sure that, you know, vets get the housing and the care they need after having served the country, um, people are often happier than spending it on their 17th pair of sneakers. Another barrier, and this is particularly interesting, is the extremely optimistic person and the extremely pessimistic person are exactly the same when it comes to taking action. Again, this is a quote. Um, I think I saw it on um, Tim Ferriss's Twitter, but I'm not sure if it's one by him or someone else. But basically it says both don't take action, albeit for different reasons. And I think it's important to not hide behind our optimism. Uh, what cause fires you up is less important than that you ask yourself the question as Chidi in The Good Place asks so eloquently, what do we owe each other? If things generally turn out okay for us, can we do something to extend that to others? Another barrier is that people think I'm too small to make a difference um, or what I do is too insignificant. Uh, when we are confronted with a barrage of seemingly unsolvable problems before breakfast, it can be pretty scary. I have certainly felt that what I do or even what my little country can do will have no global impact whatsoever. But here's the thing. Um, as someone who spent the last decade of my life figuring out how to harness psychological knowledge for the benefit of humanity, I keep coming back to this. Nothing drives change more than role models, even more so if we personally know them. So if you get a solar panel, carry around a metal straw, or regularly protest human rights violations, people would take note. They might not do anything about it, but the seeds are there. And I truly believe that we only know a tiny minority of the impact that we have on others. Only a tiny percentage of my listeners, for example, reach out. And if I, that would have discouraged me, I would have quit a long time ago. Instead, I trust that some of you have benefited from this, but have never said a word to me, and that's okay. The main driver is not compliments, but how I choose to use my strengths and knowledge in this world. And I ask you to kind of adopt this outlook for your own world. Another popular barrier is that people think that charities such as the UN and all these other organizations are corrupt and lazy and inefficient. And I know this one because I did hide behind this one for a long time to justify to myself that I wouldn't, didn't want to donate money to certain causes. And it would all go to waste anyway. So while I think it's important to hold organizations accountable, I think it's also sound of a sign of huge disrespect to just write off whole organizations or charities because everywhere where large numbers of people work together, shady shit goes down. But just imagine if one of your colleagues at work did something and then the media said everybody in that organization is corrupt or guilty. And if you have concerns, you can look for organizations which are independently audited. That will give you peace of mind. Um, you can be sure that, you know, their books have been looked at, that kind of thing. Then there's a lot of, you know, I don't know, like a war going on between the boomers and the millennials and, and I don't know, like, 
people say like, oh, if millennials are so loud, they should give up their iPhones or uh, boomers got us into all of this mess. They should just stop voting. And while I understand the sentiments, um, the thing is that the, what blaming achieves is basically that it directs the attention from the important issue to gossip. Um, that's all it is. And I think actually in our day and age, some people are probably smart enough to stoke that, to use that information to make sure that we have pointless arguments and fights, because while we're having pointless arguments and fights, they can happily go on doing, you know, shit that they're not supposed to do. So here's a section of why you should join me. And one thing, one reason is to alleviate a sense of hopelessness. Please understand that hopelessness and inaction benefits the more sinister forces in this world. There are absolutely circumstances under which it is impossible to even think about the wider world. And if that's you, I don't want to cast any blame. If you're working three jobs and aren't sure where rent money is coming from, you're exempt in my opinion. If, however, you are on a self-help journey and your mental health is fairly okay, I urge you to put some of your energy into the meaning part of the happiness equation and into giving some thought, action, and resources into how to make society better and strengthen society as a whole. Now, usually I'm not the biggest fan of black and white assertions, but being part of the problem, you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. And there are thousands of important issues in the world. In some cases, we actively drive forward solutions, while in others, our preferred way of doing things might contribute to problems. Pick whatever you think about the most. Maybe it's one big cause, like fighting climate change, or something more eclectic, a mix of different things. Whatever it is, there's something in knowing that we're not sitting idly uh, and just watching things fall apart. Also, where does ignoring the bigger picture lead you? In the best case scenario, you suppress feelings of guilt and or hopelessness. In the worst case, your community suffers very directly from things like not having clean water or water suppression or voter, not water suppression, voter suppression or floods. Also, ask yourself this, who benefits from things not changing? Are they the people and organizations you truly feel deserve your support? And it boggles my mind how much time we waste debating certain things. Another question might be when you look back on those, on whose sides, you know, when you look back, imagine in the future you look back, on which side do you wish you had been on? Do you really want to be on the same camp as, say, cancer? And speaking of size, sides, please understand that there are nuances. So, for example, Tucker Carlson, a well-known Fox News anchor who routinely supports policies by the Trump administration, is against starting a war with Iran. You can be against abortion and still oppose gerrymandering or voter suppression. What are the things you could do? So start with where you're at and what you can do. Forget the things that you can't do or don't do or don't want to do just yet. Blaming is a waste of time because it drains energy from a moment when you could actually be emailing a representative about an important issue. Doing very little for a long time almost always outweighs big actions that we can't keep up. 
who should worry about other things right now? So here are the kinds of people who don't have to worry about something like the 36 Project. Um, and there are people who can't pay your bills. Um, you have health problems that take up most of your time and resources. You have to care for dependents and have no time for yourself routinely. You're recovering from a major life event. Or you're regularly at the receiving end of hate and struggle just to kind of lead a normal life. I think um, for all of you, life is hard enough already. And of course, unless you're drawn to activism, uh, in which case, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful for, for you, to you. But if that's not you, uh, if that's you and you can't muster the energy, it's fine. Of course. Of course it's fine. You have, you have other fish to fry, not bigger fish, but other fish to fry, right? Okay, so we don't have the time to go through my whole 36 list, so I just picked out 10 examples. And again, there are there's a mix of things. So there's some which are very easy and little, and you might think if that's what she's doing, then she might as well do nothing. But actually, I want to show that there are little things that we can do too, but also some which are a bit bigger. So here we go. Um, signachange.org or Avaz Petition Weekly. Use a reusable bottle, vote regularly, report online bullies, give meaningful gifts to friends, support one, at least one fundraiser or charity monthly, compliment good policies and responsible organizations, try five meat substitutes, speak up on behalf of disability access, and impact investing. So I want to speak a little bit on the last one, impact investing, because it's probably the one that that might be the least well known of the things I just said. So the idea behind impact investing is basically, what if we use the efficiency of business processes to make improving the world a profitable practice? What if things that were good for the environment and society actually led to financial returns as well? So the way this works is that an investor pays money into a pot. And that pot funds a project to, let's say, reforest an area. And local people reforest and manage the area and can make a living because, you know, maybe they are selling some of the sustainable wood that they're making. For example, if you plant a bamboo forest, bamboo grows insanely fast. So you can get the benefits of having trees that remove, well, basically that yeah, that removes CO2 from the atmosphere, but then you can also um, cut some of it down and make products out of bamboo. So previously, dead land becomes not only greener, but the community has jobs, which in turn can lead to an upward spiral. And the investors at the end of all of this get their money back. So right now I'm saving for something big, but once I have excess income again, I want to get into impact investing. The idea behind it is that you can use capital markets for good instead of just making a profit. And to be clear, impact investment, investing generates profit, but it also fulfills another socially valuable purpose. For example, if you find um, ways to ensure that a city is not flooded, it might be more profitable for local insurers to work with you than to constantly pay out more and more money for flood or fire damage. 
What I like about impact investing that it doesn't really require humans to change that much. They can still be greedy, but just focus that greed on making money with positive side effects. And that is more promising than asking everybody to change because historically, we're pretty bad at it. So things to keep, keep in mind if you want to give this a try. Um, it's better to do something positive once than never. It's better to do something easy and maintain momentum than to do something excessively hard and give up. Focus on your interests. You can do a little for lots of different causes or a lot for one specific cause. Neither is better. It just depends mostly on your interests. Choose your battles. Nobody can be fighting nonstop. Get a sense of enoughness. Um, committing to these things has the potential to make you both more fulfilled and or more depressed. A common feeling is feeling overwhelmed. And like we learned in the multiple episodes on habits, it's important to limit what we attempt and go for slow and long-lasting progress. Navigating guilt. Um, perpetual guilt is useless. Occasional guilt might motivate us to take a step back and consider if we can't and shouldn't do better. So how do you find a topic you care about? Well, pay attention to which news topics make you the most emotional and get you started there. Uh, you can also Google the words sustainable development goals and figure out which one of these causes resonate the most with you. Um, think about the people and celebrities you admire the most. What is important to them? And if you're still on the fence about how to take action, I suggest this little thing you can do is to follow a few activists on social media who are in line with your values. If you don't know where to start, you can go to my Twitter. If you're on Twitter, um, it's just at Chris and Trumpy, my name, and you can see who I follow. Um, not all of them are activists. Uh, maybe you'll find out more than you ever wanted to know about me. Sorry if that's the case. But that's an easy way if you, if all else fails, let's put it that way. Let me introduce a new section to the podcast now. Um, just so that you know, I reject advertisers and sponsors quite regularly because I don't want to sell you stuff that you don't need. Also, I personally dislike ads on podcasts, which is why I never was too keen on accepting sponsorship. However, as the audience keeps growing and I get more requests to place ads on the podcast, I have become increasingly conscious of the fact that I have a platform to promote things which can lead to positive change. And while I've loved what has come out of this podcast so far, I have had this niggling feeling for a long time that there's only so far you can go as individuals. Movements can achieve things that you and I can't individually. And how awesome would it be if we could help each other out um, in reaching our flourishing goals while making society better. So instead of ads, I will introduce you to people and or organizations doing important work. Uh, most of them will be causes that I support myself. However, there will be a small selection of things which I think are great and deserve support, but I can't use because they don't, let's say, ship to Switzerland. Um, I will offer a broad spectrum of causes, and while my personal political preferences will shine through my choices, I will aim to cover causes that are relevant not only to people who think exactly like me, but also across the aisle. So even if you can't donate or don't have time to take specific action, I hope that listening to this section will nevertheless educate you about the immensely important and largely overlooked work that people do who actively shape the world. 
for the better and also give you a more accurate picture of the solutions that already exist and how they're being implemented. So to kick this section off, I would like to talk about an organization that I have supported since 2011. It's called Kiva, and what they do is connect um, lenders with people who need small sums of money. A large part of the world doesn't have bank accounts, and even if they do, the ones who need money the most are often not eligible for loans. At Kiva, you can loan $25 to someone and they'll pay it back. And what I like about this model is that the same $25 can help multiple people. Personally, I like to fund things like education because that will enable people to make an income in the long run. But you can choose whatever countries or causes you like. Um, and should you decide that you want the money back once it has been repaid, you can get it back or you can relend it to someone else. Uh, Kiva does not sponsor this podcast. Um, if you really want to do something to make my day, you can go to kiva.org and donate in the name of the Positive Psychology Podcast. Um, I made a link for this, but I'll, um, I'll share it in the notes with you. If you have questions, you can reach me on Twitter or on uh, by email. My email is chris.t at live.com. Chris, like my name, Kristen, dot t at live.com. All right, so before we come to the outro and a few parting words regarding um, the topic we just discussed, I'd like to catch us up on a few reviews. Um, so the first one is from Isabella, and it says, Dear Kristen, I just wanted to thank you for getting me interested in positive psychology. I had always been studying psychology. I had already been studying psychology for two years by the time I came across your podcast, but I have never even heard of positive psychology at university. I fell in love with the topic immediately. It's the kind of philosophy I wanted to devote my work as a future psychologist to. There was no positive psychology master's program at my university. However, I'm writing my master thesis on positive psychology, which is really exciting. I also want to specialize in positive psychology related stuff once I graduate from uni. So thanks for doing your amazing podcast. I honestly wouldn't be going in the direction I am without it. All the best and greetings from Austria, Isabella. Uh, wow, Isabella, I know some time has passed. Um, I am wondering if you have finished your your master program by now and, and what topic you ended up choosing and perhaps you're already in the world making a difference or still gearing up. Uh, whatever is the case, I would love to hear from you. Uh, maybe a little email or something. It would be nice to, to connect and hear what you're up to. So the next uh, review is from Tiny VG something. I'm uh, Tiny VG something like that. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. From the UK, um, and it says needs improvement. How many times can you say you know during podcast? Awful to listen. End of story. Well, <laughs> I assume that this person is not listening anymore, uh, so I'm not going to directly address them. What I am saying is that if you're hate listening to this podcast, so if you, you think like I'm the most annoying person ever, but you're still listening, um, just maybe don't listen because every time you listen, it makes me look great. You know, there are download numbers and things like that. And um, I suggest, you know, life is too short. Go to someone who doesn't annoy you that much. That's all I have to say. And then let's finish with a note that Heather sent. 
And she said, I luckily came across your podcast and was so relaxed, intrigued, and pleasantly engaged in everything that you had to say. How refreshing. I'm a hairstylist, and my mission every day is to help make my clients feel better. Not from a cut or color, but because I have been attentive and quiet, or trying to give my personal best motivation to them. Thank you for returning the favor to me. Keep up the amazing and wonderful talks. I truly appreciate them. Heather, this makes me so happy. I One of my key worries is that I only talk to people who are kind of similar like me, you know, people who maybe go to university or already interested in self-development. And hearing you say that, that you find value in this makes me so happy because, you know, I would have never, like, put necessarily positive psychology and hairstyling in a, in a, a category. Um, and that's what it's all about. Actually, there shouldn't be any categories. You should take positive psychology, just like you do, Heather, and put it in whatever it is that you're doing. And I am sure that people who come to you, apart from probably getting great haircuts, um, I, I really like to think that even if people don't consciously register it, that they can feel you know, good and loving intentions um, somehow. There's a lot of nonverbal communication going on between humans. And Heather, I really hope that, you know, not just me, but some others can give you the same back that you give to others. All right, so let's finish with a quote by Glennon Doyle, who is uh, a, a good writer and um, a fantastically funny person to follow on social media. And she says, freedom is not a gift to keep, but a baton to pass. Those who are free must use their freedom to fight for those not yet free. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.